us. <laughs> Good morning, it's 10 a.m. Our sicha today is Parshas Emar, sicha Dalit in Chilak Yudzayin. And uh, we are learning the schos of Rabbi Yosef Yitzhak Batsima Chasya, he should have a Rafua Shlemo Kreva. Uh, when I was uh, learning the Sikha, when I was preparing this, I, I had a very, very, um, it, it brought me back. I had a very distinct memory of Shabbosim when my grandmother would wait impatiently after the Fabringen. Sorry about that. Every, every Shabbos at the Rebbe Fabringen, my, my grandmother would wait for my father to come home, her Taira Edim. She had one son in law who would have patience to tell her what did the Rebbe say by Fabringen. But my father knew that what my grandmother was really most interested in hearing was did the Rebbe speak about something having to do with Israel or other current events or, you know, something like that. And he knew that she wasn't, apt, you know, really looking for um, him to chaza for her uh, about an abstruse concept in Halacha, Gemara, in the Rambam, in Rashi. Um, so he would tell, so sometimes he would tell her that he has nothing to, to tell her. So um, my grandmother would say, not Taira. The Rebbe said, only Taira. So um, that's what I was reminded of this morning because uh, this is a sicha that's not Taira. It's uh, a treatment of halacha and Rambam. Uh, it's the kind of sicha that my father did not think he's going to hazard to my grandmother. And I would dare to say that I don't think we would, you know, necessarily run to learn the sicha of our own volition. It's... Uh, not like they would say a sicha for women, but um, but this is what this project did. It, it taught us a whole new level, and uh, and we're going with the project, so we're taking on any and all types of sichas, and this is a uh, treatment of a halacha in Rambam, um, which is connected to a pasuk in our parsha, parsha's emor. Okay. I think that's maybe a little bit better. Okay. See if Aleph. Mina Pasuk Bisamachtam Lufnea Shemalakechem. So in our parsha it says, You shall rejoice before God your God. Ha'amur Bachak Hasukas, which is spoken in regard to Sukkis. Lamar Harambam, the Rambam learns, Shebachak Hasukas Haisa Simcha Yisera. That uh, from this pasuk he learns that there was an extra dimension of simcha on Sukkot, yesemi bishar more or in addition to the simcha that was a default of every single one of the holidays, And now the Rebbe cites the the exact words of the Rambam, and the Rambam writes, "Afal pisha kol mitzvah Although there is a mitzvah to rejoice on all of the holidays, but on Chag Hasukais, in the Beis Hamikdash, there was an additional dimension of joy. And the, and the Rambam bases it on the Pasuk in our Parsha, that you shall rejoice before God your God for seven days. Then the Rambam continues, but Kate said, Hayu And how was this simcha enacted? How was it practically effectuated? Erev Yem Harishim, on the eve of the first day of Sukkot, Hayu Misaknin, the Mikdash Mokem Lenoshim Milmaila, Ula Anoshim Milmata. 
So this is actually a reference to the first to the, to the first source we have regarding the idea of a mechitza that um, in anticipation of this this special uh, ceremonial joy in the base hamikdash, they would uh, create um, a special gallery for the women, which was above the space that the men would be in. So that they would not mingle, they would not intermingle with each other. And then he says, And this jubilant rejoicing and, 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 and celebration would begin on Matzi, the first day of Sukkot. And it would continue in like fashion. There would be this very special simcha that would continue throughout all the days of Sukkot. And as we see that the Rambam cites this passage from our Parsha, that you shall rejoice before Hashem, your God, for seven days. And he cites this as the source to the idea, this is his proof text that in, that in the base of Middash, there was an extra dimension of joy on this holiday. And specifically, absent from the Rambam's terminology that we just read, is a reference to the pouring of the wine, the Nisu Chamayim. So throughout the year, there were um, wine libations. Wine was poured on the on the on the uh, on the mizbeach on the altar, but on Sukkot there was nisuchamayim. There were water libations, and there are many many sichas that analyze the difference between water and wine, alpichasidus, etc., etc. Um, but the Rambam does not mention this at all. He doesn't mention what's called simchas beis hashoeva, the um, ceremonial um, hoopla and the joy that surrounded the. Um, the drawing of these waters and then bringing them to the base of Middash, etc. And the Kasul Mefarshim, the Mefarshim write about this, that Rambam does this, meaning he does not, um, he does not connect this to overtly to Nisu Hamayim, to Simon Reza Sheva. And so this proves, this proves, Shaladas Rambam, that in Rambam's opinion, this proves that the, the, when the Rambam references the extra dimension of Simcha, this is not necessarily um, connected to the Nisuch HaMayim, to the pouring of the, of the water, the water libations. But they say, no, this is a separate thing, and it's a obligation, to a very specific type of simcha that took place in the base Hamigdash, and this we learn from the words, before Hashem your God, so those extra words seem to indicate that there was something special that went on in the base Hamigdash, and that extra dimension had to take place on Chag on the Yantif. And this has been nice. And this is in addition to the default Simcha that has to permeate and saturate every single of the, of the Shalosh Rodolim, every Yantif. The Gam Bechag HaSukas Atzmai, and including Sukas Bigvulin. 
not just in the base Hamikdash, but in the expanded um, area of the Gvul of Eretz Yisrael, all over Eretz Yisrael. So that's what the Mepharshim say, that, that by, by, by not even referencing, even obliquely, the Nisach Hamayim, the Simchas Beis HaShoeva, the Rambam is referring to yet something else, a different extra dimension of joy, and it's not something that would only be um, the default joy of Yom Tov, but it was an extra dimension of joy on top of that. So how are we going to reconcile this with the fact that in the Mishnah, this extra dimension of joy is referred to as Simchas Beis HaShoeva, which we're all familiar with. And likewise, in the Gemara, and the Gemara um, in, in discussing the Simchas Beis HaShoeva brings the Pasuk that you shall draw water with joy, Hainu. Meaning, so it comes out that from the Pasuk in our Parsha, which is an Asmachta, which means it's an illusion rather than the source of the mitzvah. Okay, there are Psukim that are the source of a mitzvah, and there are, are there Psukim that Asmachta means support. They support. Uh, a mitzvah, they support a certain idea. So according to this, the Pasuk in our Parsha is an Asmachna. And so in the Gemara, they they kind of bundle the extra simcha that our Pasuk is referring to with the simcha of Nisachamayim of pouring the water. And and now the Mepharshim parse the terminology more carefully than they say, and that's why it's not referred to as Simchas HaShoeva, the Simcha that comes from drawing the water, Hainu HaShoeva, Hisibasa Shal Simcha, that would mean that the reason for the Simcha is the drawing of the water, Ella Simchas Beis HaShoeva. It's called the joy of the place of the drawing. That this is referring to a joy that took place because of Sukkis in the place that was fixed for an extra dimension of joy, which is connected to the Simchas Beis HaShoeva. But the Rebbe has all kinds of questions on um, the halacha in the Rambam and, and offers, as already have intuited, a completely different way of understanding it. First, the Rebbe looks at the halachas itself without looking at uh, the question that he kind of just raised. And he says, there's First of all, we have to reconcile what seems to be a contradiction in this very halacha. And what's the contradiction? At the beginning, he says, we learn about this extra dimension of simcha from the Pasuk in our Parshas, Parshas Emar, where it says, and you shall rejoice before Hashem, your God, for seven days. So this would seem to prove, that the simcha takes place over all seven days, which would include the first day of Yom Tov as well. Because if you have to rejoice for seven days, the only way to get those seven days is to include the first day of Sukkot. 
However, but immediately as he continues in his halacha, halacha zu atzman, this very halacha, Kosav, he writes, he writes, and we begin this rejoicing on after the first day is completed, after the first day is, it goes out. So there's a stare here. Does this extra dimension of Simcha suffuse all seven days or only begin after the first day has ended? And even though the Rambam seems to address this immediately, because he says, that this simcha does not, um, does not, uh, let's just say that, that the halachos of Shabbos and Yom Tov don't yield to this simcha. In other words, this, whatever this simcha is, which we need to figure out exactly what the Rambam is talking about and how it jives with what it says in the Mishnah and the Gemara, but whatever it is, it does not have the power to override the halachos of Shabbos and Yom Tov. And therefore, he says that it only began on Matzei Yom Tov. But the Rebbe says, Harei But this in itself raises a question. And what's this question? We would be able to understand this if the extra simcha, the extra dimension of simcha was only mitra the loichi of minatayah, and it wasn't a, a obligation from the Torah. Why? Because then it would be very clear why we could not engage in this particular type of simcha on Yom Tov. And the Rebbe um, explains in detail in the bracket, because how was this simcha enacted? Uh, they would sound the chalil, the flute. And they would play the harp, the lute, and the cymbals. And, there, and many other people played instruments that they knew how to play. So we're talking about using instruments, about instrumental um, use. And that, we know, is not permitted on Shabbos Yom Tov. And so the Chepa says, if we would understand that this extra dimension was Midra Banan, then we would understand how it can't override Yom Tev Rishon, the first day of Yom Tev. Because one Isidra Banan cannot override the other. There's an Isidra Banan that we're not allowed to play instruments on Shabbos and Yom Tev. And if this would be a mitzvah darabanan, then it wouldn't be able to override that. But we thought we're talking about a mitzvah daraisa, right? This, why are we learning the sicha this week? Because it seems the Rambam is basing his halacha on the pasuk in our parsha. That means it's 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 midaraisa. But since we see, it seems based on the Rambam, we understand that this extra dimension of Simcha is an obligation, then it becomes difficult. Why would not this mitzvah be able to override 
the isadrabanan, the, the, the rabbinic uh, prohibition of, of using instruments. Ubefrat, and especially that we have a rule, she'ein shvuz b'mikdash, that in the mikdash complex itself, there was no issue of, of isuri d'rabanan that have to do with Shabbos. And only took place in the Mikdash. The Mikdash is a place where there's no Shvus. I'm not using instruments is a Shvus, it's Midrabana. So why wouldn't the mitzvah of, of Simchas Yesera, let's not call it Simchas Beis Sheva yet, but it seems that we're saying it's the same thing. And that only took place in the base of Mikdash. Why would there be an issue that it couldn't be done on the first day? And that therefore the Rambam says that they only started on Matzei Chag. Gimel. Gam Tzarech Lahavit. The Rebbe says, and we also have to understand additional things, which is code for, I have a many other questions. So, Aleph. Mahu Mikair Shala Rambam Shakasa Besamachtam Lopnei Hashem Elkechem Shivas Yamim Koi Al HaSimcha HaYesera. What is Rambam's source for saying that the Pasuk in our parsha refers to an extra dimension of Simcha. What's he basing that on? That's question one. Well, really it's question three, but question one in this if. Bez, yes, sir, okay. And more than that. In fact, how is it even possible to opine that this Pasuk comes to teach us about an extra dimension of Simcha the Beis HaMikdash. The Rambam himself, earlier in his treatment of, of Sukkot, he wrote, He said this Pasuk, from this Pasuk, we extrapolate another thing, and which is that, that mitzvahs lulav chulei, the Rambam has taught us earlier in Hilchos Sukkot, having to do with the Lulav, that from this Pasuk, we learn that in the Mikdash, and only in the Mikdash, was the mitzvah of Lulav done every day of the Yom Tov, including Shabbos, so he uses this pasuk to teach a completely different halacha. Here he seems to be saying, and this is the source for the Simcha Yisera. So the Rebbe had two questions. Number one, what does he base his connection between Simcha Yisera and this pasuk on? And it's even more surprising because he, already, he has already used this very pasuk to teach a completely different halacha or to say that we have a source for completely different halacha, which is that in the Beis HaMikdash itself, they did, there were nights of the Lulav every single day, inclusive of Shabbos, Dalit. More questions. Oit Kasav HaRambam, the Rambam also wrote, the Hemshech Devarov, in, in, in continuation of the halacha that we reviewed, he writes further, mitzvah laharbeis besim chazu. It was a mitzvah to increase in this simcha, and this was not uh, just for Ame Aretz. This wasn't something that every Joe Schmo could do. It wasn't pedestrian. 
Ella Gidoile Chachme Yisrael, Varoshe Hayeshivas, Vahasanhedrin, Vahasidim, Vahaskenim, but rather it was <coughs> the great scholars of Yisrael, the Rashi Yeshivos, the heads of the Yeshivos, the head of the Sanhedrin, the pious people, and the elders, Ba'anshe Maisa, and people of good deeds. Haim Shahayu Meraktin, Umesafkin, they were the ones who would dance and they would clap, Umenagnin, and they would play instruments and they would rejoice in the base of during the days of Sukkot. But the whole nation, both the men and the women, everybody came to see and to hear. So everybody came to bear witness, but the active players were the elite. And the source for this halacha is in the Mishnah, where it talks about that the pious and uh, the, the, let's just say like um, people who got things done, people of good deeds, they were the ones who would dance. So based on the Rambam's description of what went on, and when you juxtapose it against how the Mishnah describes who did this mitzvah, we have to understand. Aleph, Lefi Hanal, based on what we've just delineated, Shaladas Harabam Simchazu Hichiyov Minhatar Betar Simchas Yamtev. Right? Let's 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 review that the Rambam sees the Simcha as a Chiyov Minhatar, an obligation from the Torah, Betar Simchas Yamtev, as part of the Simcha Yamtev. The Loi Din Drabanu Misad Nisachamayim, and he doesn't see this as a rabbinic law having to do with the water libations. So then, if this is the case, So then why was this, was this such an elitist activity? Why wasn't it done by everybody, anybody that wanted? But the Rambam says, no. When it came to, you know, the person on the street, they came to see and to hear. So the Rebbe says, more specifically, my question is, How is it possible to set up these distinctions, create these different designations regarding a mitzvah, say, a positive commandment in the Torah, that seems to have been given to everybody. It doesn't seem to have to be these caveats, these clauses. And Bayes, Mahu Hamakar And what is the Rambam's proof? What is his source? It can't be the Mishnah alone, because the Mishnah is much more cryptic. It says, Chasidiva Anshi Maisa. The Rambam goes into so much more detail. Where does he get that from? The Mishnah is and even more so. In the Brisa that was brought in the Gemara there, which is Sukkah Nun Aleph Aleph, Muvaim Dvarim Shenemru Bashas Hasimcha Ali Chasidim Ba'anche Maisa. There, the Gemara speaks about 
what the Hasidim and what the Anshe Maisa would say when they witnessed or when they were involved in the Simchas Beis HaShoeva. The Chain Al Yedei Balei Tshuva. And in that Gemara, it also says what the Balei Tshuva would say. Hainu. So it comes out from that price that there were three categories. There were Hasidim, there were the Anshe Maisa, and there were the Bali Tshuva. The Iloha Rambam, Michad Kisa, but the Rambam, on one hand, on the one hand, he adds a whole bunch of new categories. And on the other hand, he he doesn't mention Bali Tshuva. That is specifically mentioned in the Gemara. And since this is something that we're familiar with from a beautiful niggin that we all sing, I just wanted to read uh, the Brysa to you. Um, so the Mishnah states, Chassidim Anshi Maisa, pious men and men of good deeds would dance, Meraktin. Okay. So the Gemara quotes a Brysa um, that goes into more details. Tanu Rabbana, the rabbis taught, Yesh Mehen Aimrim Ashrei. Some of them would say, happy is our youth, which did not shame our old age. That we, we are fortunate that we didn't, do, we didn't engage in youthful indiscretions that would uh, come to haunt us in our old age. And the Baisa says, These were the pious men and men of good deeds. Then, and some would say, Happy is our old age, which has atoned for our youthful indiscretions. Who said this? These were the Bali Chuba. They said, we are fortunate that in our old age, we were able to engage in overtures that uh, atone for what we did. And here come the words that we're very familiar with. And the Brisa says, both of these groups, the Hasidim and the Anshi Mais on the one hand, and the Bali Tshuva, both of these Omrim, Ashri Mishalei Chata, happy is he who has never sinned, but he who sinned should repent and he will be forgiven. Okay. So um, why does the Rambam not include the reference to Bali Tshuva? On one hand, he seems to add things that we don't find in the Mishnah, we don't find in this price in the Gemara, in the description of the Gemara. And then on the other hand, he leaves out a group, a demographic that, that was specifically delineated. Hey. Additionally, the Rambam writes, that the simcha that should suffuse a person when he does a mitzvah, and the love of Hashem that permeates him, the love of the God that gave him these commandments, this is a great avoida, to be filled with simcha and love for Hashem. And every person who humbles himself, and um, and makes his body secondary, this is a person who is great and, and is honored. And uh, this is a person who can seriously serve Hashem with love. And the Rambam quotes a pasuk that David HaMelech said in Shmuel, I will become even more 
self-abnegated. And I will humble myself in my own eyes. We have to understand. Where does this um, kind of more general idea that you have to serve Hashem with a great level of joy and a great level of love, why does the Rambam bring this down here in Hilchas Lulav, in continuation of his treatment of the extra dimension of joy on Sukkot? And even if you want to say that he's thematically bundling these halachas, right? Because he was talking about a simcha yisera, an extra dimension of simcha and sukkis. Now he wants to talk about an extra dimension of simcha that should suffuse all mitzvahs. He should have brought it more generally where he speaks about the default simcha that needs to inform every yamtav. And he should have done this for at least two reasons. The Rebbe says, First of all, the Rambam treats um, the halachas of Yom Tov globally before he treats, it, treats the halachas of Lulav. So this kind of more general teaching should have come earlier. And And when he talks about the Simcha of Yom Tov, it's a more general type of Simcha. And this seems to also be an even more general type of Simcha, that every time you do a mitzvah, you should be suffused with joy and with love. The Iker, the main thing, And the main thing is that if he would have done it by Hilchas Yom Tov, there it does speak not just about the Simcha Yamta, but it talks about Simcha and Avedis Hashem Bechlal. So would have fit in much better there. Why here? But we must understand from this, by the Rambam putting this reference to a default Simcha that should suffuse a person when they do every mitzvah, he is teaching us, the Rebbe says that there is a specific connection between the simcha that uh, we have to approach every mitzvah with generally and the simcha yaseira, the extra measure of simcha of hagasukas. Now, having laid out all of these questions, the Rebbe begins to uh, give us the answer. Vav, bahabir becholzeh. And the explanation that is going to address all of the aforementioned questions. Kavanas harambam. Rambam's intention in bringing the Pasuk from our Parsha, that you shall rejoice before Hashem, your God, for seven days, his intention is not to teach us that the Torah commands in this Pasuk a new obligation on top of it's not that is a new in the Torah. That's not what the Rambam is doing with this Ella. So what is he doing by citing this Pasuk? Because this Pasuk is clearly underscoring the general obligation 
of the Simcha of Yom Tov that applies, let's just say, on steroids on Chakasotas, specifically Beves Hamikdash in the Beves Hamikdash, Yoiser mi Bishar Yamim Taitim more than the rest of the Yamim Taitim, like it says here, Vesamachta Mufnei Hashem Lokechem Shivas Yamim. Af al pi shechiu simchas yom tov yaduk farmi mashkaz v'samachta bechagefa. Okay, even though we learn out the general obligation to be in a state of simcha from v'samachta bechagefa, leficha. Therefore, the Rambam is teaching that based on this pasuk we learn ha'isa nuhuga b'shivas hayam b'mikdash yom simcha yisera. He is, so what the Rebbe wants to do is disabuse us of erroneously understanding the Rambam as having taught us a new mitzvah. No, the Rambam is citing this puzzle to explain that this puzzle clearly comes to deepen, to underscore, um, to bring extra special attention to the obligation, which is a default obligation. The fact that we have this pasuk made a clear and uh, and there arose the um, the 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 the, the, the 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 way of doing things on sukkis besimcha yisera with an extra dimension of simcha b'tayich simchas yamtav atzma. This was an extra dimension within the default general mitzvah of the Samachta Bechagecha. Mitzad Hadgasha be mitzvah haklalis de Simchas Yamtov. Because this pasuk underscores and comes to add something more in the default, more general mitzvah of Simcha Anyamtov. Vizu kavanas haramba memashakasov lahalan the halachas mucha. Mitzvah laharbeis besimcha zu, and this is the Rambam's intention, where he continues to say that it's a mitzvah to engage an extra measure in this simcha. Haynu she'ain kam mitzvah v'chiyuv b'fnei atzmai. It's not a new mitzvah. It's not a mitzvah that stands on its own. And that, that's, that's not how you would understand Simcha Yaseira. Elisha b'mitzvah Simchas Yantav Atzma Yesh Hadgasha But rather that we have this more general mitzvah. And then the Pasuk in our Parsha comes to teach that within this more general mitzvah, there should be an additional emphasis put on Simcha. And once we understand that Simchas Beis HaSheva is not a mitzvah in itself, we now are in a position to understand why it does not override Shabbos and Yom Tov. Yes, it's true that this Simcha is connected to the Pasuk and the Pasuk says, Shivas Yamim. So as, as once you have seven days, ipso facto, this means that this would be a mitzvah that would have to happen also on Shabbos. And even though the Rambam says, and the Rambam writes that if you engage in this simcha 
in prolific form. If you're marbe, you, you, you are careful to, to do this simcha in great measure, then you're mekayim, the mitzvah ase of simchas yamtiv, the general mitzvah ase of simchas yamtiv. Mikol makayim, but still and all. But because there is no specific mitzvah of Simchas Beis HaShoeva in the Torah, and the default general mitzvah asay of, of having great Simcha and Yamtiv can be observed without this extra dimension, without this extra overlay. Therefore, the mitzvah of Simchas Beis HaShoeva that was done through playing instruments cannot override the halachas of Shabbos and Yom Tov, inclusive even of a of a of not playing instruments, because again, just to make very clear, the Rebbe is teaching us that you might understand the Rambam in wrong fashion. You might think that the Rambam is saying that this is an additional mitzvah. The Rebbe says, no, if you look at the words of the Rambam carefully, you'll see he's not saying it's additional mitzvah. He's saying it's an additional strata. It's another layer in the general mitzvah. And yes, he is saying that we learned this out from a Pasuk in the Torah, but he is not saying that this Pasuk in the Torah comes to teach us a new mitzvah. Ba'al Pizem, move on in the brackets, and through this is understood now we understand why the Rambam digressed from the Lushan of the Mishnah. And he says that they created um, the gallery, the um, whatever it was that, that where the woman stood, but this was something that had to be built specifically for this purpose. And the Rambam says they did this Erev Yom Tev Harishan. But if you read the Mishnah, it would be implied that they built um, these, um, I'm trying to, the word that is escaping me, like in 770, there are the bleachers, whatever, some kind of bleacher situation, like in a stadium. So in the Mishnah, it seems that this was built Amatzichag, but the Rambam says it was built Erevchag. Why? What does the Rebbe teach us? The Rambam is teaching us. Because there is not a specific mitzvah min that you're obligated to engage in the Simchas Beis but rather, as said above, it is an additional dimension to a more general mitzvah. In Cain, if this is so, then you cannot have what is effectively an additional dimension in a mitzvah override the iser of building things during Cholomite. And therefore, he opines, this is the reason that the bleachers, the gallery, had to be built, Dafgan Erevyanta.
Chab is bringing this as proof for his thesis of what the Rambam is really telling us here. That this Pasuk in our Parsha is teaching about a new dimension rather than a new mitzvah. Zayin. And once we understand that this is an extra dimension and not a mitzvah in itself, then we're able to answer a question that Rebbe asked earlier, which is, if there is a mitzvah in the Torah for every Jew to engage in Simchat Beis how could the Gemara describe this mitzvah as something that was effectively a spectator sport for the rank and file Jew, and only something that was actively participated in by the elite, the creme de la creme. But when you understand that it's not a mitzvah, because a mitzvah in the Torah is for everybody, unless it's for very specific people, kaihanim or a king or levim, whatever. But the passage, again, does not contain any clauses. So it would seem to be an overarching mitzvah for all people. But the Rebbe says, no, but if you learn the Rambam properly, then you understand he's not coming to say it's a mitzvah. He's coming to say it's an additional dimension. And once it's an additional dimension, once we understand that it's not a chiyuv, it's not a new mitzvah in and of itself, but it is the underscoring and it is an additional overlay in the love for the mitzvah, it's an expression of enthusiasm and love for the mitzvah and affection for the mitzvah. This pasuk only came to underscore an additional level of simcha, not to give us a new mitzvah. And once you're talking about an additional affection, um, a, uh, a deepened enthusiasm and a um, deeper appreciation, now you're talking about something that has to do with a person's emotions, with their mindset. And there, of course, there is room for delineation. There is room for designation. While everybody might be able to go through the motions and do the same actions, not everybody can bring that same level of heart or mind. And so the Rebbe says, once you understand that it has to do with chavivus of the mitzvah, loving the mitzvah, affection for the mitzvah, enthusiasm for the mitzvah, now you can understand. But if in adam, if it has to do with the feelings of a person, at kama margish hu es chavivus mitzvah, how much does this person appreciate and love this mitzvah? And once you understand that it has to do with the emotions. So then it's there's a there's a there's a spectrum. You have the Bali you have the people who are on a very, very exalted level, and their simcha led them to express themselves in singing and in clapping. But the arousal of joy by the rank and file man or woman, once 
was only heightened, their simcha was only aroused to the point that they would come to see and to hear. And according to this, that the working thesis, the Rebbe says, is that it's not a chiyu from the Torah itself. But rather, it's an additional overlay in the more general mitzvah of simchas yamtov. And this additional overlay is dependent on the inner landscape of each person. So therefore, Yuvan, then we could also understand Aleph, now we can understand why the Rambam delineates, and to a lesser extent, the Gemara delineates different categories. Because we are looking at different demographics, each of which brings a different sensibility, a different appreciation to this mitzvah, a different way of understanding it and approaching it. And therefore their affection for the mitzvah is slightly different. And these we also understand And now we're also in a position to understand the source where does the Rambam get his, uh, his list from? What does he base his list of who was active in the Simcha? So the Rebbe now um, gathers all the sources in the different places that the Rambam based his halacha on. So first, the Gemara Bavli Virshalmi. First, the Rebbe says more generally, in the Gemara Bavli and the Gemara Yushalmi, so the Gemara delineates very few, by name, very few specific Tanoim and describes their participation in Simchas Beis Sheva or what they said during Simchas Beis Sheva. Now the Rebbe says, There's no question that this, since this was such a great Indian, all the Tanoim participated. All of them that were alive then. And amongst them, there were a number who, who um, held forth, they, they said certain things, they taught certain things during this time. Ella, sinu but the Gemara only mentions specifically very few and, and, and mentions them by name. It doesn't mention more, it doesn't mention less. Why? Because by mentioning, the Rebbe says, these particular Tanoim by name, each of them is kind of like a code for a demographic, for a whole category that participated. So each one of them represents a different demographic, a different group of people that were active in this extra dimension of Simcha. And each one, it, express their affection for this mitzvah in a different way. And now the Rebbe is going to survey um, these references in the Gemara. 
Ches, the Gemara Ne'emar. The Gemara tells us, Aleph, Amar Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananiah. Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananiah said, and uh, the Rebbe would mention this, uh, it'll be familiar to you from the Sichas the Rebbe uh, gave on, on, uh, on, the, on the different nights of Simchas Beis Sheva. Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananiah taught, when we were engaged in this great Simcha Beis Sheva, we never tasted the taste of sleep. We would doze or snooze on each other's shoulders, but we never actually slept. And who was this Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananiah, the Rebbe asks? For which reason the Gemara would bring Dafka his words. In other words, there could have been many, many other Tanaim that said many things about the Simcha Beis HaSha'eva, what the experience was like, what happened there, or taught different things. But the Gemara brings down these words from Yeshua ben Hananiah. So who was this Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananiah? So the Rebbe continues, Mesuper Gemara. The Gemara te- teaches us that Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananiah, his vakach imsabe devei atuna. He engaged in um, in um, debates um, with the wise of Athens. And the Gemara discusses uh, what was said by each side at this great debate. And the Rebbe says, These wise Greek philosophers were, were, were very, very, very intelligent. And nevertheless, won the debate. Oid misupar b'gemara. What else does the Gemara tell us about Rishon ben Chananya? Shalafnei his talkusay shal Rishon ben Chananya. Before he passed from this world, um, the fact that he was going to pass induced anxiety on the part of those who were remaining. Shaluhu chachmei bnei Yisrael. The the scholars of bnei Yisrael asked him, "My teheve alan mehapi korsen. What's going to be with us?" When you're going to leave this world, how are we going to be able to face down these heretics, these apikorsim that you debated all of your life? And so to answer their question and alleviate their anxiety, he answered them using a pasuk from Yirmiyahu of the Eitzamibanim Nisrachachachmasa, that when, when wisdom abates among the Banim, the B'nai Yisrael, when Bnei Yisrael lose their level of wisdom, then the Chachma of the Gayim goes bad. It, it goes sour. Meaning, please don't be anxious. It's true that I'm leaving you, but there is a balance here. And so when the level of Chachma goes down amongst Bnei Yisrael, there will be a, um, a parallel decrease in the Chachma of the Gayim. Alternatively, he taught them another pasuk, and this is a pasuk from Boratius, and these are the words of Esav to Yaakov by Yoimer. Come, we'll travel together, and I will walk alongside of you. Why did Why did Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananiah cite this pasuk? He was from the great, great Chachamim of B'nai Yisrael. And he was saying to them, again, a different way of saying, 
the non-Jewish Chachma is always parallel to and concomitant to, it always walks alongside the Chachma of B'nai Yisrael. So, so don't worry, relax. But what do we learn from all this? That he was clearly from the great Chachma Yisrael. Because the more rank and file Chachma Yisrael were anxious that he was leaving. This means that he was in a level of his own. So from this, the Rambam learns, and this is the first designation, the first demographic that he lists, is not just your rank and file, but the greatest of the great base. Now we have a second thing that the Rebbe brings down regarding the second demographic that the Rambam cites. So it relates about Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel that during Simchas Beis he would um, juggle fiery torches, torches of fire. This was his specialty during Simchas Beis Now, who is Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel? He was none other then the head of the entire Sanhedrin came a super big Gemara, like the Gemara teaches us, or that Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel was an Asi. The Sanhedrin Gedeila, and we have a description. The Rambam tells us in Hilchas Sanhedrin who became the Nasi. In the Sanhedrin Gedeila, there were 71 Chachamim. And Hagadol Bechachma Shebechulan, and the one who was the wisest of all of the 71 who were already the most prestigious and the most um, highest echelon of Chachavim, Moshivan Isai Resh Alehim, they would place him as the head of the Sanhedrin, Bahu Rasha Yeshiva, he became also the Rasha Yeshiva, Bahu Shekar Naisei Chachamim Nasi, and that was who the Chachamim called Nasi, Bechomakim. So now we have the source for what the Rambam says. It's a Sanhedrin engaged in the Simchas Beis HaShe'eva. Gimel. Now we go to the next demographic. We learn that concerning Hillel HaZakein, we learn what Hillel HaZakein said during the time that he engaged in the Simchas Beis HaShe'eva. Now the Rebbe says, Meduyak ha-gemara likrei oiseikan b'shem Hillel hazakein. Rebbe says, note, the Gemara here, when it talks about what Hillel would say during Simchas Beis HaShe'eva, here the Gemara calls him specifically Hillel hazakein. Af she'bekama mekoymes niska b'loy ha-toy Even though his words are cited, and there are teachings concerning him in many other places of the Gemara where he's not called Hillel Hazaki, he's just called Hillel. So we understand, So we learn that this is instructive regarding the Indian of Simchas Beis HaShe'eva. Simchas Beis HaShe'eva, the way in which he rejoiced at Simchas Beis HaShe'eva, he said, He brought a particular sensibility that has to do with his being Hazaki. And this is, in fact, the source of the Rambam. That 
that amongst the different demographics, there was specifically these older adults, as it were, the Sekenim that took part in the Simchas Beis HaSheiva. And again, each of these groups bringing their own particular passion, their own particular love for the mitzvah, their own particular expression. Doubt in Se'iv Tes. Birshalmi Naisav. Now, now the, everything that I have cited so far was in the Bavli. Now in the Yershalmi, additionally, it says about what about the goings on of Simcha Beisachev. It says Ben Yehai Sadok Hayam Mishdabeach Bikfit Saisa that the son of Yehai Sadok used to pride himself in his jumping, in his acrobatic feats that uh, he engaged in during the Simcha Beisachev. Now, since this story was brought down to the Gemara for us to learn something from it, so therefore, for sure, it can't be that the Gemara is trying to be vague and obfuscate something. It must be that this is a reference to another great person, Eretz Yisrael. I mean, in, in Klal Yisrael, that lived during the time of the Beis HaMikdash, of whom we have reference elsewhere. In other words, the words Ben Yehud Sadak must be a reference to something we can find somewhere else. Otherwise, what, what would the Gemara be doing here? Just trying to be totally ambiguous for no reason? It's all to teach us something. And the Rebbe says, in fact, yes. When you look at the list of the Tanoim that lived we find Rabbi Shimon ben Yehitzada. We find reference to a Tana whose name was Rabbi Shimon ben Yehitzada. But we don't find anything specific. We find him listed amongst the, the Tanoim. But we don't find a specific limud. We don't find something specific that he said. Yet we have this oblique reference of Ben Yehud Sadak in the Yerushalmi. And there we do have something specific. That he was proud of his acrobatic skills that he um, showed off or, or engaged in during the time of Simchas Beis HaShayba. says, so then we are forced to say that what the Gemara is doing, the Yishami is doing here, is telling us that his great um, virtue, that what we have to understand about him is expressed in this term, Rabbi Shimon, this, this particular salutation. We learn um, regarding this particular description or appellation, Rebbe, we learn, who's called a Rebbe? A person that has students, you call him Rebbe or Rabbi. So we learn from this that he had Talmidim. He was the head of a yeshiva. And this is where the Rambam gets it from, that Rashi Yeshivas were a, a specific category of people that uh, were engaged in the Simcha Beis HaSheva. But the Rebbe says, but wait a minute. But you should really be pushing back at me. Why? 
How can you really argue? I mean, logically and cogently. How can you say that the, that that the Yerushalmi lists Ben Yehitzadak here, to, and 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 the Rebbe is saying from this we learn that the Rambam learned that this represents a whole cohort, a whole demographic of Rashi Yeshivas, but this is based on something that doesn't even appear in Yerushalmi, because in Yerushalmi he's just called Ben Yehitzadak, he's not called Rabbi Shimon Ben Yehitzadak. He's called Ben Yehud Tzadok Dafka, the Lai Rabbi Shimon Ben Yehud Tzadok. So the Rebbe says, but there is a good reason. Because Nemar Lovkan Shahaya Mishtabeach Bikfit Soisov. Because when it talks about Ben Yehud Tzadok, different from the description of what other people did, here it says he took pride in his acrobatic prowess. Hainu. He maybe could even say he boasted in this about himself. And we know that when speaking about one's own milas, one's own uh, positive attributes, you have to be very careful to allay both the suspicion of others that you're arrogant and your own inner feeling of arrogance and hubris. In other words, you know, we have the famous Hayyam Yayim that you have to be as aware of your Milas as you are of your Hasrenas. But when you speak of your own Milas, it has to be tempered, both so that you don't broadcast to others a sense of arrogance. And at the same time, and maybe even more importantly, so it doesn't, you don't let it get to your own head. And here, Ben Yehud Sadak, his spa'er, Bekach, he was proud of his acrobats, of his jumping. And therefore he referred to himself with terminology that was really not that respectful towards himself. In other words, he was looking to he, he was looking to temper. On the one hand, he was saying, look what I did during Samchaz Beis HaSheva. On the other hand, he, he, was, he, he expressed, like, I'm not taking myself that seriously. I'm not that great. But this is what I do by Samchaz Beis HaSheva. And the Rebbe says, and we find this similarly in another place. We find similarly um, regarding Rabbi Yochanan Bezakai. That when he's talked about himself, Omar, he said, if only, if only I would have stuck my head between my knees. He also did not say, he spoke about himself in the third person, but he referred to himself as Ben Zakai. Rak he described himself only as the son of his father. Okay, so now the Rebbe has effectively given us the source for every single um, demographic, specific cohort that the Rambam lists. Now the Rebbe has to address his other question. So in the Bryce and the Gemara, we have specific reference to Bali Chuba. 
and the Rambam, who elongated the list and, and delineated additional um, categories, omits a category that is very clearly in the Gemara, and that is the category Balichu. So the Rebbe explains, Harambam mefarish she'ein habraisa moisifa al hamishnah. The Rambam has a certain um, svara. He has a certain line of thinking that carries through in all, everything that he teaches. And one of the things he taught was that a brisa never adds on the original mis- mishnah. Ela mifareshes o mifaretes. But rather it comes to extrapolate, um, to annotate, but it doesn't come to add. Like all the brises. So it comes to explain and to extrapolate. So the Mishnah gives it to you in short and the Brisa, uh, you know, unpacks it. So according to the Rambam, the category that the Mishnah speaks of, it includes both Hasidim, pious people, and Balechu. And this follows his line of thinking. He's, he's, he's consistent. Whereas Rashi Mefarish, in contradistinction to the Rambam, Rashi explains Kol Hasid. Every time you talk about a Hasid, every reference to a pious person, have a Hasid be Kare. This is a person who is always pious. So if you teach, if you define the term chassid in the way that Rashi does, then it can't include bali chuba because Rashi says a uh, chassid is somebody who is always pious. But the Rambam taught differently. In Hilchas Deus, he says, somebody who is more punctilious with himself, and he moves from the middle default line. As soon as a person moves a little bit away from the default or the um, doing just what you must, and he moves even a little bit, he veers towards a um, attitude and a posture of enthusiasm and being more careful and going they're already a chassid irrespective of what their history is so this kind of um, comportment this, this, this kind of behavior that the Rambam describes as moving a little bit to this side or to that side but you're not in the middle, you're not just trying to get away with what you must. When you learn, when you're mefarish the term chassid according to the Rambam, then you know that that kind of behavior could be the behavior of somebody who was always a, uh, always pious, or it could be the behavior. And the Rebbe says, Adraba. On the contrary, even more so, this is kind of the expression of a Baal who wants to be more punctilious, who wants to do more than just what you must. And therefore, the Rambam, his svara is, 
So when the Rambam lists Hasidim, he doesn't feel that he has to list Bali Tshuva as a separate category, even though the Brisa does, because according to his understanding of a Hasid, it's inclusive. And for this reason, he does not list Bali Tshuva in a separate category. He simply lists Hasidim. Because in his writings, when he uses the term Hasid, he's including people who are always pious and people who are Bali Tshuva. Yud Aleph. And now, after all of this, we're in a position to understand why the Rambam goes into a discussion about a very general joy that should suffuse a Jew when he does a mitzvah. Why would the Rambam put it here? Like the Rebbe said, and not put it earlier when he talks Tam about Simchas Chag. Because once we understand that Simchas Beis is an additional layer, a deeper strata in the general Simchas Yom Tov, and that it comes Machmas Chavivus HaMitzvah, and it comes specifically as a result of deep affection for a mitzvah, the Simchas Yom this now shines light on the more general idea of having simcha and a mitzvah. In other words, like the Rebbe is saying, that this becomes like exhibit A, and then you zoom out and you apply the same energy to every mitzvah bichlal. That the simcha that has to accompany every mitzvah is an addition to the actual guf ha mitzvah, the body of the mitzvah, the you know the brass tacks, the the basics. That's the mitzvah. That's the mitzvah itself. That's basic. But on top of that, the Rambam wants to teach us about a great simcha and a great love that should accompany the doing of the mitzvah. But the Rebbe says, but there's more here. The Rebbe says, let me tell you why the Rambam put it here. Okay, so now the Rebbe has told us that the Rambam uses the, the, the example of Simchas Beis HaSheva and then builds on this for more generally the simcha that has to accompany every mitzvah. But the Rebbe says it, it, there's something more here. There's another nuance. And that is that you really can't compare simchas beis ha'sha'eva and every other mitzvah. Why? Because the simchas beis ha'sha'eva, kashar adam shari b'matzav shal simcha b'lav hachi, u'pshita sha'atzvah z'mushlalas m'yveno, e'en ze kashe lahavi atzma l'idei ha'isafa b'matzav zeh. The Rebbe says, because when you're talking about Simchas Beis HaSheva, when a person is in the headspace, in the mindset of Simcha, because that's the default of that mitzvah, Simchas Beis HaSheva. And for sure, a person is not going to be in a state of despondency and sadness and depression. So it's not so hard when you're already in the modality of Simcha to kick it up a notch. 
אבל שמחה של מצווה בכלל, ווין יו טוקינג אבאוט א מור ג'נרל שמחה של מצווה, נדרשת בכל מצווה בכל יום, אנד יו סיינג, דיס האס דיס אפיוז אברי מצווה, אברי דיי, בכל מצב שיהיה, אין אברי סינגל סיטואשן, ולכן שמחה זו דווקא אבוידה גדי להי. ודאטס וואי דה רמב״ם סייז, דאט מור גלובל שמחה, that has to accompany every mitzvah, this is already Avayda G'dayla. This is already Avayda G'dayla. Because if you were coming to Simchas Beis HaSheva, you were coming to rejoice. Ah, so it has to be a deeper level of rejoicing? Okay, I'll take another cup of wine, I'll, uh, whatever it is. I got this. But when you're telling me I have to have Simcha in every mitzvah, this is Avayda G'dayla. Olafichach hebi harambam dugma midavan amelach. And therefore, the Rambam doesn't just suffice to say that has to be the Simcha. He actually brings an example from David HaMelech. Now, David HaMelech was a king. This was a man of great dignity. And, and his office is one of great gravity. And nevertheless, he used to leap and dance Lefnei Hashem before God. Lelame, to teach us, that there has to be simcha in every single mitzvah, even, even at times in a mitzvah where it's not easy at all. So now, we, now that we understand this, so now we see what the Rambam is doing. So now we see that the, that the Rambam is creating a trajectory from the more simple to the more difficult. First, the Rambam in his halachas treats the more global simcha of every yamtiv. Every yamtiv, there's a special mitzvah uh, to rejoice. And, you know, the, the Rambam mentions uh, what you have to buy for your wife and what you have to buy for your children and the mitzvah to eat meat and to drink wine, etc. Then he discusses the Simcha Pagar Sukkos. This is a deeper, more intense, more concentrated level of Simcha. As we said above, the, the, the extra Simcha of Sukkos comes not as a separate mitzvah, but as a result of the affection and the enthusiasm that you have for the mitzvah of Simcha. And then finally comes to the highest level, the Simcha Shal Mitzvah Bechlal. Then, and now he's answering the question of why the Rambam didn't treat this earlier. What's the Shaykhaz? But the Rebbe says, because the Rambam is building up, he's bringing up higher, higher rungs. First, there's the default Simcha of Yom Tif. Then there's the specific, deeper Simcha of, of Sukkis. And then, This has to extend to every mitzvah. And that's already a vaydi gedayla. Because not every mitzvah is a mitzvah of simcha space of she'eva, where you're already l'chatchila in the headspace of simcha. Now we conclude, of course, Rebbe concludes with the hayra, v'zui gam hayra b'negei l'poyel. And this is also the lesson practically. Yachal Yehudi leimar b'libay, a Jew could say in his heart, b'sh leimar b'meiz man simcha seinu b'yechol t'la'er ba'atzmai t'nua shal simcha. It's one thing during Zman Simchaseinu, you asked me to arouse within me a great level of Simcha. Okay, I got it. 
אבל איך יוכל לפעול בעצמאי שיהיה בשמחה גם לאחר הזמן המיוחד והמסוגל ימי זכוין לשמחה. אבל how can you demand of me to be in the state of hate and שמחה once that holiday has passed? You know, that, that, those, are, those are ימי זכוין, those are like special days that are put aside for this. They have that energy, they're saturated with that energy. They're yemei sugal, it's, it's, a, it's a, um, auspicious, a propitious opportunity. But how do you want this for me on every day? So and he, the Rambam answers this question and he says, that dafka after he treats the Indian of Simchas Beisa Sha'eva, az dafka matchila in other words, yeah, it's nice and good to be start, to be part of Simchas Beis Sheva, but don't think that when the holiday is over, your work is done. No, Simchas Beis Sheva must be used as a launching pad for a whole new level of avodah. That's when it first starts. Shel hasimcha shel mitzvah. To have simcha in every mitzvah. Vizais. And this is because Mishum Shatamit, Afilu Bimaisachal, called Nuah Shel Yehudi, Kshur Lavaydas Hashem. Rabbi says, why must there be Simcha? Because we have to understand that every overture of a Jew is connected to Avaydas Hashem. We are not, um, you know, independent contractors. It's not like, well, it's my life. Like, I have a life too. Like, actually, no, everything in your life is connected to Hashem. Either it's specifically a mitzvah, or it's part of, um, we, we, we have, uh, we, we are enjoined that everything that we do should, do, should be done. Or in all of our ways, we must know Hashem, and Hashem must be discerned in all of our ways. In other words, there's nothing benign. You might think, okay, in the morning, I wash Negevassar, I daven, and then I go to work. And work, that's my job. No, the Rebbe says, it's not. Because it doesn't matter what you're doing. It all has to be L'Shem Shemayim. And in your every overture, Hashem has to be discerned and, and, and known and recognized. Once we understand that our entire life is one seamless continuum of Avedis Hashem, obviously it has to be infused with Avedis Hashem, uh, with Simcha. Like, like the Pasuk and Tehillim, you have to serve Hashem with joy. So this whole idea of compartments you see this constantly in the Rebbe's constantly, not into compartmentalization. It's all part of, of, of a larger whole. You know, the, the famous, famous um, exchange between, um, I'm blanking on his name now, the rabbi that wrote uh, Nine and a Half Mystics. He was a reformed rabbi. He became from, um, if you know the name, please, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on it now. I could Herbert Weiner. Herbert Wiener, yes, thank you. So Herbert Wiener said, he writes himself that he was shocked about, at his audacious uh, exchange with the Rebbe where he said that when he looks into the eyes of his chassidim, he sees a naivete. And the Rebbe said to him, what you, what you see is not a naivete. 
you see a lack of kara, you see a lack of dissonance, you see a lack of conflict, because there's a wholeness to their lives. And this is a particular gift of Hasidus, that there's not a splintering, there isn't this, you know, uh, I'm being pulled here, I'm being pulled here, I don't know what to do. No, the Chedah says it's, it's all part of your Vedas Hashem. Relax, breathe. If you can't do everything at one time, okay, that's okay. Just do it, you know, in a continuum. And even though we're taught in the Gemara that a person is not permitted to fill his mouth with joy in this world, meaning we always have to feel, you know, until Mashiach comes, that, that, that our joy is not complete. Hari besimcha shel mitzvah. When you're talking about a simcha that has to do with mitzvahs, adrab, on the contrary, move on it's understood that this is an obligation and is absolutely necessary. And the simcha shal mitzvah in this world effectuates a reciprocal simcha above by Hashem until it's fulfilled the Pasuk and Tehillim that the one who sits in heavens, Hashem, will laugh. He will laugh at all those who seek to oppress, God forbid, B'nai Yisrael. Until we come to the fulfillment of the promise, in those days when Mashiach comes, finally, our mouth will be filled with joy. With the coming of Mashiach, may it be speedily, Mamash, and may we all um, be able speedily, mamish, to feel an unfettered, unvarnished, infinite type of joy. And um, it's really so interesting that the Rebbe says that it's Davka the Simcha Shal Mitzvah that, that um, affects this special level of Simcha and, and laughing on the part of Hashem. It's, it's kind of a really kind of unbelievable to think. So I'm wishing everybody a, a week of, of tremendous joy. Thank and, you. And we should already see the ultimate joy. Thank, Thank you. Can I ask a question? Yeah, of course. Um, I guess we're in Sphera now, so maybe. Could you, could you um, I, 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 let me see. Can I see you? I, I hear a disembodied voice. Um, you could see. Okay, wait. I, have, I guess I have to put the view on gallery. You can uh, see me, but I'm, I'm just, it's Orit Ritsky, but I, I, I don't oh, have people on, so. Okay. <laughs> appearing. Um, my question is, I guess we are, uh, it's a kind of a question more for the Rebbe in a way, but right now we're in Sphere Saimer. And so the mitzvah is a certain level of Avelus, or Chas Shalom if somebody is an Avelus, or doing another, another mitzvah, which is the opposite of Simcha, uh, you know, burying somebody or something, you know, the Shitting Shiva or something like that. Where is the Simcha there? And, and should we still have Simcha there? Okay. So um, I, I, I can't pretend that I know definitively what the answer is to your question, but here's my thought, at least for whatever it's worth. Um, first of all, I don't know that we have a mitzvah of a velus now. Okay, this is our hanhaga now, that, that, that we have a lachos where we mitigate our simcha, but a mitzvah to be in a velus in this time, I don't know that it's a mitzvah. But more broadly, I think we need to define simcha. 
what is simcha? And what is the source of simcha? So it's not like, haha, I'm going to amusement park, or even I'm going to a wedding. Sometimes the outer expressions of simcha have to be mitigated. But simcha, I think a working definition of simcha is being who you're supposed to be, where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be. Knowing what your place is in this world and, and knowing that what you're doing aligns with who you truly are. That is the source ultimately of simcha. Now, it expresses itself in different ways, in different times. So there are times where we're very much in a time of pain and um, not just temper joy, but, but avelos, mourning. And yet one can make a very strong argument that the only time, to, the only way to go through that avelos and emerge with your sanity intact is because you have this default inner anchor of simcha. You know that there's an Abishter and that Hashem is the boss and everything only happens the way the Abishter wants and that you're doing what you're supposed to do, even if you don't understand why this is what you're supposed to do, but clearly the Abishter is telling you this is what you have to do. And, and I think that's, that could be, uh, I think, what, what we're talking about here. Again, I, I don't know that this is a definitive way of answering your question, but I, I, I think we need to really understand what simcha means. And it's not necessarily reflected in an outward expression that we have come to identify with, with happiness. Okay, I also have a quick question. If yeah. that's okay. Sorry for interrupting. Oh, if you had sure, any... No, 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 go ahead. Okay, Nahami, I, have a, I have a technical Nahami, Baruch Mater Asurim. Literally. Last, last one to get rid of your mask. Yes, finally. Um, I have a, first of all, just a comment to add that I know that um, I read somewhere that the reason we have Basamim at Havdalah after Shabbos is almost to console us that Shabbos is leaving. But the reason that we don't have it after Yantif is because we can take the lessons and the Simcha that you're talking about and we talk a Ken bring it over into the days of the week. It's not something that like, just the theory, this is like, we see it very practically. So I just wanted to say that. And my question is more of like a technical question. I know that the Rebbe was outlining the different demographics of people through those Tanam that were highlighted. I didn't really see how, um, what Ben Yahid Sadak's title, like what demographic did he officially? Russia Yeshiva. Because the Rebbe says he's called Rabbi Shimon Ben Yehud Sadak, uh-huh. and so he, so he, um, he exemplifies the Rashi Yeshiva. Got it. Okay, thank you. And I think what's so interesting about this is, you know, look at who was juggling, <laughs> look at who was dancing, look at who was doing acrobatics. It's just. It's, it's, I, I don't know, this has always been so interesting to me, you know, it's not like the dignified Rasya Siva, you know, they're sitting on the dais and, and everybody's coming to kiss their hand, you know, it's like they're losing themselves in, in, in the great joy and there's something so arresting about that image and I think so instructive. It's the concept of there you go. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you, you. everybody. Greatest pleasure. Na <laughs> Thank you.